Well, church family, uh, this morning I'm excited to be able to share with you, and actually uh, one of the things I'm excited about just is to be sharing how God's at work through you uh, here locally and globally. And, uh, and in fact, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 15, but before we get to the scripture passage, I want to invite uh, Dave and Dina uh, uh, Evans to come up. Uh, Dave is executive director of More Faith Medical Center. And then here's what I also want to do. Dave and Dean, if you guys will come up here to the stage. And then I want to invite anybody who has volunteered with the More Faith Medical Center. Would you please, I know you don't want to be shown, but I want to show, I want to show us something uh, that's been kind of cool that came to a realization a few weeks ago. If you guys will come up here and stand and our children's church is being dismissed. Apologies, Courtney, I forgot to Dismiss everybody. So all kids are headed over there for uh, Children's Church. And so if I can get, I need to prime the pump. I asked some of you More Faith Medical folks to come up. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to come up. There you go, Mark, Shelley. Thank you. You guys come up. Uh, I want you guys to stand right here in front. Uh, And as they're coming this way, I want to give you an update on our Calgary trip. Uh, We had a team of seven that went to Calgary uh, a couple of weeks ago and Pastor Chris Flora and his family uh, right here on this picture. I want to encourage us to be praying for them, praying for their team. They've been meeting in the movie theater since 2018 when they launched their service. And uh, one of the things that they've done is during COVID, they had to do a hard shutdown, so they were online. And as we went up there, there was a lot of people really struggling. Uh, And uh, it took a harder toll, I think, uh, up there. And so I just want us to be praying for them. Uh, they're getting to move into a new space that's available to them. 40, 000, or, uh, it'll be about $40,000, but it's 8,000 square feet that they will have available to them 24-7. They've been meeting in a movie theater for four hours a day on Sunday. So uh, just an update there and just thankful for our church family and how you give. Now, Dave and Dina, you guys have been doing more faith medical now for, what, six years? Right? Yeah, seventh year. So uh, one of the things that happened after the tornado uh, nine years ago was uh, uh, More Faith Medical Dave was pastor at Highlands Baptist Church and and, uh, just God laid on his their heart to be able to start More Faith Medical. And I'm thankful for them. And we've been kind of on this journey watching how they work and and how God's at work uh, through them. And and in fact, we've got a, a slide there that shares some details about the work that you guys have done. Uh, 10,071 patient uh, encounters. Uh, I love this number, $6,905,900,000 retail value of prescription medications that have been provided. Uh, 4,244 people prayed for and encouraged in their faith. 49 churches working together. You guys have done phenomenal. And, and, and then church family, here's, here's kind of the cool thing. I was sitting in a meeting and started thinking about all the people that are serving uh, at Emmaus at More Faith Medical. And uh, uh, Marlene serves on the board. Uh, Eric and, and you guys, the Bones, are helping with pharmacy. Mark and Shelly are mowing the lawns. Uh, Susan is like the hero of everybody I talk to in social work uh, dealing with More Faith Medical. Bill and a team are transporting patients. Tiffany is working in the pharmacy. And you guys are doing uh, 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 interpretation, right? Translation, yes. 
Yes, yes, sorry, Linda, <laughs> sorry. And, and y'all are doing translation and greeting patients as they come in. So it was kind of fun to be able to see how Emmaus is at work. And one of the things we've never done is we've never financially supported. We, we do a meal a month on the third Thursday. Uh, by the way, Jackie Raper's class, y'all are the heroes of th these guys. I always hear about your class and all the desserts. So uh, not shaming any other classes, but we've got some work to do. Um, but every thir third Thursday night, we provide a meal for all their volunteers. And in September, we're going to be doing a banquet for all of their volunteers here at the church and looking forward to that. This morning, Dave, I want to give you a, church, a check from our church. Uh, we've, our church family has just been so generous in how we give locally. Amen. And this is a check for $6,000 uh, wow. that um, awesome. our church uh, people have given to local missions and designated that uh, gift. Uh, and uh, so we're so thankful for you guys. And we've never gotten to do this. We don't support you guys monthly uh, just through uh, help and all of that. So I'm excited for us to be able to do that. Dave, I didn't get you a microphone. But I wanted you to be able to share just real quick. Pastor Jim, oh, sorry, so sorry. <laughs> Pastor Jim, thank you. Thank you so much. We love Emmaus Baptist Church. We've been partnering together actually for some 30 years. And it's so wonderful to see a church that's not simply a hearer of the word, but is a doer of the word. And that's who you guys are. We love you so much that you demonstrate the love of Jesus in a tangible way in your community, whether it's tornado survivors or refugees or people without access to basic medical care. You guys are loving the people of our community in the name of Jesus. And we love that. We're so thankful. These guys are amazing. We couldn't do what we do without these volunteers right here. And they wouldn't keep coming back if we didn't feed them so well like you, like you guys do every, every week. Could I just uh, share a couple of quotes from patients? Would you all like yeah. Here's what our patients are saying. This clinic has been a real lifesaver for me. And they mean that literally. When I couldn't afford a doctor and medications, you all came through for me. I can't tell you tell you all how much you have helped me through this tough time in my life. Thank you. These people, another one says, these people are truly fantastic. Their generosity is amazing. Another, one, another patient said, I have never experienced such nice, compassionate, and caring people in my life. The staff here treated me equally to themselves. Thank you. I think that demonstrates what it means to represent Jesus. And we've been able to share the gospel so many times, see lives changed, souls saved, and to God be the glory. Thank Amen. you, guys. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Let's, uh, yes. I want to, I want us to pray for you guys and uh, so thankful for your work that you do. Father, we thank you for your love. I thank you for Dave and Dina and God, just how you are using them in incredible ways here in our community. I thank you for More Faith Medical. 
for every volunteer who walks through those doors to be able to care for others, to be able to share the hope of the gospel. Lord, using their giftedness, using their, uh, what they do on a daily basis, God, I just thank you for how you're using them here in our community. And Father, I pray that you would just continue to bless them, be with them. I thank you for this church family, their heart for you, their heart to go, their heart to serve, and to tell others about you. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Dave and Dina. Well, uh, guys, church family, thank you. Guys, thank you for coming up. I, th I thought that was a great um, um, representation of just seeing how the body of Christ is at work. And I love how people are using their natural abilities, what they do for a career, to be able to serve here in our community. And I thought, man, that was a great example of how our church family is engaged. I see uh, our men that are serving to help care for uh, the pregnancy uh, uh, the mobile ultrasound vehicle, they go once a month and they maintain it and take care of it. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for men who've gone out with me to, to meet homeless in the cold and to be able to get them to shelter and uh, to do that. I'm so thankful for our church family and how you respond. This last week, you responded in incredible ways uh, just by helping to provide uh, furnishings uh, for three apartments for refugees, for five refugee men. And uh, I'm going to ask you to pray for those men. Uh, we're going to go take a carpet. And if I was smart enough, I'd have had those carpets here for us to be able to pray for. Uh, but uh, uh, I want us to be, I'm just so thankful for you as a church family and how you give, how you pray, how you go. And uh, I want us to, to focus on God's word this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 10. And uh, as uh, we do that, uh, also, if you will turn in your Bibles, Romans chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. And as you're turning your Bibles there, I also want to remind you, we're going to be doing an interest meeting for anybody who's interested in going to Panama in July. Uh, we're going to be meeting in the Mission Center right after the service. It'll be about a 10-minute meeting uh, just to, to be able to touch base. Uh, and, uh, and then Calgary has asked us to come back up in July. So if you're interested, we're going to try to partner with uh, uh, Kenny Mossman's church uh, to be able to take a team up there. So love for any of you to be able to, to go to that. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. Read with me. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in, whom, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, you can look at a lot of different commentaries, things about uh, Romans chapter 10, and this passage is going to be known as that uh, passage that is a plea for missions. And um, in these verses, in these uh, pleas of this verses, think about verse 17. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that's incredible news. It's an incredible statement, a universal application of the gospel. Now, note what I did not say. This does not mean that everyone will be able to enter into God's presence. Not everyone is going to be able to go into heaven. That's not what this verse says. And I want, one of the struggles that I had as Pastor Owen asked me if I would preach today is one of the struggles that I've been having is uh, just in people in their, in their walk with Christ, are they committed to him or do they just believe in him? And we're going to talk about that this morning. Are they, and, I, and I want to ask you that question this morning. Are you committed to Christ 
or do you just believe in him? Now, there's a difference, and, and we're going to be able to talk about that. And Romans 10 talks about that uh, uh, believing. But uh, anyone who calls on Jesus Christ as Savior will be saved. But how can people know, uh, uh, how can people do that? Unless they, let, let's look back at that passage again. Uh, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? One writer uh, turned this around and said, basically Paul's going at this. Uh, our end goal, the, the, the goal of mission is in that next verse that says, how then will they call on him in, in whom they have not believed? That call on Christ in whom they have not believed. Church family, you and I are called to be able to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. A person cannot hear the gospel and believe on Christ unless someone takes the gospel to him or her. And in these verses, Paul proves this point by giving us a series of, of statements here leading from an individual calling on Christ in faith and backwards through a mandatory intervening steps of belief in who Christ is, hearing Christ, preaching about Christ, and to a preacher being sent to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to those who need to hear him. So you've got a calling on Christ, believe in Christ, hearing Christ, preaching Christ, and sending Christ's messengers. All five of those are in this passage. And I want us to, to think about it in those terms. In fact, uh, when we look at what we are called to do, it's, it, we can kind of reverse the order there of what Paul's writing about. And it's basically, we're to send Christ's messengers, we're to preach Christ, we're to preach the gospel, we're to hear Christ, belief in Christ, and calling on Christ. That's what we are called to do. We're called to be able to go and to be able to share the gospel. The end game is not to give someone a turkey. Okay, I made a mistake a couple of years ago, and many of you were a part of that mistake, and you were very, very gracious with me uh, when uh, uh, we had a local grocery store that uh, wasn't willing to work with us, and, and this last year they were, but two years ago they weren't, and so uh, it was freezing, and we decided we were going to go deliver turkeys. Um, there's nothing like showing up on a, a doorstep of a little retired person who's got a freezer about this big, probably in their apartment with a big old turkey and said, here you go, we're from Emmaus, this is good. Our goal is not to be able to give turkeys. The end goal is for people to be able to call on the name of Jesus Christ. That's the end goal of everything that we're talking about, everything that we're doing, everything that we're praying about. The end goal is for people to be able to call on Jesus Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 6 in writing to the Philippians he claimed that he had proved his zeal for God by persecuting the Christians and as far as uh, zeal went Paul knew exactly what it what he was talking about Paul was the most zealous of Jewish uh, people that there were Jewish leaders but all of his zeal could not save him and in fact his zeal was so misdirected that for a long time it actually kept him from Christ I want us to read Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, and, and, and I want you to hear in Paul's heart his desire for these uh, Jewish uh, people to be able to trust Christ, to be able to call on Christ. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. 
For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You know, Paul talks about his zeal for, the gospel, for, for what he believed. And he, he's relating this at the very first part of Romans chapter 10 and what he's struggling with with these, uh, the, the Jews, that they're not turning to Christ. They're not calling on Christ. And it comes down to it's their own fault because they know, but they're not submitting to who Christ is. In fact, they were putting their own uh, stipulations on what they thought the gospel was, and the gospel they thought was to be adhering to the law, and as long as they did all of the right things, it would make them right with Christ. That is not the gospel. That's not calling on Christ. There's nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves right with Christ. Paul says that in Galatians 2, 20 and 21. And, uh, and just a reminder, there's, there, I think that's probably one of the greatest temptations that you and I have as we go about our daily lives is to think that there is something that we do that makes us right with Christ. And what the Jews needed to understand was it was uh, that Jesus brought his righteousness. It was his righteousness that made them right in God's eyes. Paul talks about this zeal for, for the Jews and, and however he still regarded them as lost, prayed for them fervently and worked tirelessly for their salvation. And I think about this, this is extremely relevant in our all-accepting society. There is a common error that says as long as a person is sincere, it doesn't really matter what he or she believes. In our day, we are supposed to be open to everyone's version of the truth. That's not the gospel. The religion of Jesus is not all-accepting except in the sense that anyone who repents of their sin can come to Jesus. That's the gospel. We are saved by Christ alone. We're received by faith alone. Anything else is not true biblical Christianity. Romans 10, going back to Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not, never heard? I want us to think about this calling on Christ and belief in Christ. Now, they're both dealt with in this scripture passage. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Here's my question to you. If we were reading 1 Timothy 3.16, do we need to believe all of that in order to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Now here's what's interesting. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one? Good. You do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Now proper perspective here as we look at this passage to think about this. Here's another question. What part of what Paul just said would the demons also not believe? I mean, think about it. Would the demons believe that he was manifested in the flesh? 
This 1 Timothy 3.16, would the demons believe that Jesus was manifested in the flesh? Would the demons believe that he was vindicated by the Spirit? Would the demons believe that he was seen by angels? Would the demons believe proclaimed among the nations? Would the demons believe believed on in the world? Would the demons believe that he was taken up in glory? The answer to that is yes. Even the demons believe and they shudder. They know who Jesus is. Church family, one of, my, one of the things that I wrestle with is as we go out and about, there are a lot of times that I don't hear a difference between church family and the lost when it comes to believing in Christ. We, we've, we've gone out and we, I've eaten meals with homeless. We, we will talk and we will share the gospel. With, there are homeless that I've had better gospel conversations with that know more about the Bible than I have had with church members. There are people who know more about the Bible than some of, there are men and women that I've met with that I feel like know more about the Bible. Now, there's also some things about that that there are untruths that I hear them saying about who God is. But I wonder what the difference is. What separates believing, saving believing and the believing of the demons? That even the demons believe and shudder. It's not enough for us to be able to lead people to understand and believe Here's what has to happen. They have to call on the one in whom they believe. Call on him as Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins and following him and trusting him with all of their lives. You know, at, uh, I laugh, um, I was at uh, Big Lots this last week and I was out in the parking lot and I was loading a trailer and, and, uh, this kid came out to me and he said, um, uh, sir, I just wanted you to know I put in an application and, and uh, uh, he said, uh, I'm really excited about working here. And then I get to realize and he thinks I work at Big Lots. And so, you know, could kind of have fun with it. And well, son, you're hired, you know. <laughs> well, the whole reason he was talking to me because I was an old guy, <laughs> right? I was the old guy out there. The kid that was the boss was about 18 years old, and he's helping me load, and he thought I was the, the boss because I was the older guy. Well, one of the interesting things about uh, getting to 53 years old is, is getting to live through some seasons. I'm excited about, I mean, Brooke and I get to celebrate 29 years of marriage. Uh, you can ask her if she feels the same way about getting to celebrate, but we, we, get, we get to celebrate 29 years of marriage this year. Uh, we've been in South Oklahoma City for 29 years and, and seen uh, all of these graduations take place over this last weekend, last week, and kids getting their college degrees, kids getting their masters, their, their doctorates, becoming lawyers, and seeing all these kids as they were younger and, and uh, growing up is, is really exciting to be able to see. Uh, we had a, Brooke had a student that uh, is one of her classes, um, and uh, she came up to Brooke and she said, do you have a son named Lincoln and a daughter named Kennedy? And Brooke said, yeah. And she said, well, I was named after your daughter, Kennedy. 
we met her mother at Pioneer Pies when her mom was pregnant with her back, what, 20-something years ago. Well, Lincoln, Lincoln was born, so it had to have been 20. Or, well, she's 18. She just graduated, 18 years old. And it's fun to be able to, to be in a community where we're being able to see this. But one of my struggles as, as um, we've been able to live here long is my concern is in the relationships that we have, have we been faithful to be able to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there is a great day coming. We're all going to give account for what we have done with who Jesus Christ is. So church family, as we gather in here weekly on a Sunday morning, you know, I think one of the unique things about us gathering is there's never going to be a week that any week is going to be exactly alike the next week or any other week that's ever existed in the history of Emmaus. It's always a different group of people. There are always new people here. There are always people that are gone. We are never going to be all together the same. We have this great responsibility of what is it that we're doing with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And my challenge to all of us this morning as we continue to go through this passage is that we would not just have a believing in Jesus. Because can I tell you something? Uh, uh, when talking to the Afghan refugees the other day, when we talk about God, there's a, a, a familiarity of who God is. Are we talking about who I think God is or are we talking about who they think God is? I was asked to pray for the, uh, before the Thunder game uh, one day. Uh, they were practicing over here at Westmore High School. They were doing a, an event. This was back in 2014. And, and uh, as I'm going up to pray, they said, Jim, uh, you can uh, pray to God, but don't mention Jesus. I'm sure that's shared with everybody who goes to pray. And why is that? Because God is not threatening, Jesus is. Jesus is threatening because of who he is and what he's come to do for you and for me. It's threatening because he changes things. He changes lives. He changes us for all of eternity, and our hope and trust is in him and him alone. There's a huge difference between a decision to do something and a commitment to the person. I shared a while ago, Brooke and I are going to get to celebrate 29 years this, uh, this year, and marriage is a great example of that. I believe I want to get married. And, and, you know, is that believing wanting to get married going to be able to carry you through out your married life? No, it's a commitment to one another. It's a commitment to one another. I heard this in our grief share class uh, this last year and, and reminded of this. As a body of Christ, uh, one of the things that I, I uh, struggle with is there is not a level that we have to continue to, 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 to reach in order to be among each other. We are all in need of grace and mercy. And I heard this statement. It says, grace and mercy is no longer, grace and mercy is only needed this side of heaven. It won't be needed in God's presence. Love will be the only thing in existence when we're in God's presence. Mercy and grace is being practiced. It's being lived out. It's being lived out in our daily relationships as we relate to one another. I want to encourage us to show grace and mercy to one another, continue striving one another, encouraging one another with the gospel of Jesus Christ, encouraging one another in our relationship with him, that we would walk obediently with who he is as our Lord and Savior. In the lives of most professing Christians, there's not a whole lot of healthy signs. And why is that? Because no one explains the difference between a decision to do something and a commitment to the person, Jesus Christ. 
So my challenge for us this morning is, as we gather and as we celebrate what God is calling us to do, that we would be mindful of what calling on Christ as our Lord and Savior is versus just believing in him, because even the demons believe. And according to God's word, to make a commitment means to turn something over to him, to committing, committing to them, abandoning to them, and trusting to them. And so as we continue to read through this passage, another element of the mission is hearing Christ. Being able to hear about who Christ is. I firmly believe that we are called to engage a lost and dying world. And we're not to be able to back down. I thought about this in anything that I've ever done where we tried to go and engage our community. I've always gotten negative feedback. I've always gotten people that will say, we, we shouldn't be doing that. We, we shouldn't be doing that. And it's because, in my opinion, we want to be safe with how we live out our Christian walk. God has called us to engage our community, to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in that, um, hearing Christ, sometimes people need to be able to see that the church loves them before they're willing to hear about him. Sometimes they need to be willing to, to hear that those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are willing to be able to love them as Jesus loves them before they could hear about who Christ is. And then you think about preaching Christ, that 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. That 2 Timothy 3.16, I'm so thankful for our pastor and his faithful proclamation of God's word. I, I got to tell you, every time he asks me to preach, I get so anxious because uh, just being able to, to share, he does it so, I'm so thankful for, for my pastor and how he proclaims God's word and how he teaches us. It allows us to be able to dig into God's word and be able to grow deeper. But the preaching of Christ, and you know what? That job is not just his job. That job is not just a professional job. That job is all of ours to be able to preach, to give an account for everything that we believe. And then the last part of this Romans uh, chapter 10 is talking about sending Christ's messengers. We were in Calgary and Pastor Chris had this statement up on the screen. It said, mission is proclaiming the gospel verbally and intelligibly. No, he didn't. <laughs> That's not what he had. Where's the next slide there. I didn't put it in my notes, and now I've forgotten what it is. Yeah, thank you. God doesn't have a mission for his church. He made a church for his mission. God doesn't have a mission for his church. He made a church for his mission. I'm thankful that this isn't something I, I'm concerned every day about what we ask of you as a church family to do. Truly concerned. I don't want to overwork, overburden our church family. But we are called to be intentional with the gospel, intentional with sharing. And our end result is that they would call on the name of the Lord. Think about this. World population right now is at 7.95 billion people. Uh, and, uh, and I think about this. Uh, back in uh, October the 12th, 1999 is when the world reached 6 billion people. And the only reason that I've always known that is because on October the 5th, Lincoln was born in 1999. 
And they had a big statement that came out that the six billionth baby would get a million dollars. And I was thinking, ah, oh, hey, all right. So we're working towards it. It was some baby in India or somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how they figured it out, but Lincoln wasn't the millionth baby or uh, six billionth baby. And, uh, but now we're at 7.95 and we're expected to reach 8 billion people at least by 2023. Think about this. 3.2 billion people are unreached with the gospel. 3.2 billion people are unreached with the gospel. That doesn't include people around here that don't know Jesus. This is people who have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church family, we have a responsibility to be able to carry out what God has asked us to do here locally and globally. I want to read Matthew 13 uh, to you. And uh, as I read that, I want to share a picture uh, that we took in Jordan. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, and so that he got into a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sea, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. When our team went in 2019 to Jordan, we went over to Mount Nebo, and Mount Nebo is where Moses was able to look out over the promised land. And this uh, picture I took up there on top of Mount Nebo, I've never in my mind thought about or could imagine what, it, what Jesus was talking about in the parable of the sower. We're going to spread seed. Some of that seed is going to fall on good soil. Some of it's going to fall on rocky soil. And I thought, man, this gives me a great picture of what he meant as he's looking out uh, in this region of the world of what that meant. Because there is a lot of uh, unrich soil there. And when it's, the next uh, map shows uh, kind of our location there at the top right uh, of, uh, north of the Dead Sea where uh, Moses was able to look out over and see the Promised Land Jerusalem. Church family, our calling is to be able to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. And I also want to ask you this, simply ask you this. Before we are to take the gospel, I think we need to evaluate in our own hearts whether we have called on God as Lord and Savior and we, we are living our lives out uh, uh, trusting him with every area of our lives. You know, God's sovereignty is secure in our lives and who he is. Trusting him, there's open boundaries, and you and I are learning to trust him every day of our lives. And I think about being 53 years old and going through different seasons, and now a, a parent of young adults and, and entering into that season, and the different challenges that we have in different seasons. We're learning to trust him all along the way. And some of you are in seasons that right now it may be difficult to be able to trust him. I want you to know that God loves you and he's, he's secure. He's, he's going to be who he is. He says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Church family, God desires to do a great work in our lives. And in fact, I want to close 
our service with this. We have several people here in our church family that are serving in different ways. And I firmly believe that God has called every one of us to be able to serve others, to be able to engage others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want to call some folks up, and I'm going to have them stand right here. We're going to close the service this morning. This is going to be a service, ending of the service, that I'm not going to ask us to be able to sit and watch. I'm going to ask us to move, to engage, to pray, okay? So get ready, all right? So I want to call up uh, Jack Pruitt. Uh, Jack, I'm going to have you come stand down here. Jack is just graduated yesterday from OBU. He's about to leave on a trip for Zambia. And uh, uh, Jack, man, excited for you and how God's at work in your life. And, and uh, I'm glad you're that tall. You, uh, <laughs> saw Jack grow up, watched him play ball with our boys and all that. Hannah Melton, Hannah is, come stand here, Hannah. I know you're going to get up and sing here in a minute. In fact, those who are going to be leading us in our last song, feel free to make your way on up to the stage. Mark's going to come up and he's going to close in prayer with us. Hannah is heading to Spain here uh, June the 16th on uh, Father's Day, so excited for her. She's going on a trip with Ghost Students. Grayson Noble, I talked to him, texted him yesterday. I think he was got back late last night from Chicago. Uh, didn't know if he'd be able to be here today, but anyways, pray for Grayson, and I'm thankful for how God's at work in his life. Miriam Hardin, uh, Miriam's here. Continue to pray for Miriam and her team in Russia and how God's at work there. Uh, I want us to be this morning. We're going to come around and we're going to pray for these individuals. Um, Slaw John is not here, but he left this last Thursday to go to Bosnia to visit his dad. So pray for their family. Pray for him as he shares the hope of the gospel with his family and neighbors there in Bosnia. Uh, any other, uh, I, I know uh, there are some friends, the wardens that are back in town. I don't think they're here uh, this morning. Rufino and Kelsey, are you here? Uh, Rufino and Kelsey, I'm going to ask you guys to come stand up here. Uh, and uh, uh, this Rufino and Kelsey serve in Panama, and we're going to be taking a team down in Panama, and I'm so thankful for them. So Kelsey is uh, coming up, uh, and I want us to be praying for them. Dave and Dina, I'm going to ask you guys to come up here and stand. We want to be praying for more Faith Medical. Carl Dean, where are you at, Carl? Carl, I'm going to ask you to come up and stand here. Carl serves as executive director of Mission Norman, and I love that it's like our South Norman partner of what God's doing down there as they distribute food and care for those uh, that need housing. Um, these, these are church family members that are going and serving. And so church family, I'm going to ask this, that all of us have evaluated our own relationship with Jesus Christ, that we've called on God and not just believing. And then I want to invite all of us to be able to come up and surround these people. I'm going to ask you guys to spread out a little bit so everybody can kind of gather around you guys. Scoot down this way, Jack. And uh, uh, Mark's going to pray for us. I want to invite you now to start making your way here. Mark's going to pray. We're going to close in this word song. You continue to stand here. Don't feel awkward. Um, and uh, you continue to stand here to pray for them. And, uh, and then I'll close us at the end of the service. So, let, so Mark, would you pray for us? We're going to continue to worship by being involved. If you don't feel comfortable coming down, just stay where you're at. You can kneel at your seat. You can stand. Just get in a position of humility, wherever that is, whatever that looks like for you. And I'm going to encourage you that it's not only me praying for these individuals that are down here that you're surrounding, that you have your hands on. 
that you're praying so that all across this auditorium we have people praying for these folks. Mark, I'm going to interrupt you. Sue here just told me she's going to Thailand, uh, be leading a team in July, right? So be praying for Sue here. Great. Thanks, Jim. All right. Now, in in a room this size, we might also have people that don't know Christ. You, maybe you came here this morning because you, a loved one invited you or someone invited you and you are seeing and watching this and saying, this is weird. That's okay. That's okay because we have a community and we have people that, that love you as well. If you have questions about what this is all about, what this looks like, or why would we come up and surround people that are on mission for God, Ask the person that invited you or come up and talk with one of us at the end because uh, this is important, what we're doing and how we're surrounding these people and how we care for people even throughout the week. This matters. So if it looks weird, it might be, but ask someone about it. And so wherever you're at, let's pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for the word that you brought through Jim this morning. Thank you for these people that we are surrounding. I pray for safety. I pray for um, the, the, the process that you have brought them to this point that you have put in their heart and that they are answering your call. I would pray that you would show up on the ones that are leading trips or going on trips whether it's down the street or whether it's across the world, that you would show them great things about yourself, that you would reveal great things, that they would be able to interact with people and that they would be able to not make themselves look good, but they would show your glory and they would be able to have conversations with people that that don't know you, that they would... If it's your will that they would come to a believing faith in you right then, but use these folks as they are going for you. It says that if we don't praise you, the rocks and the trees will, and they will clap their hands. We ask that, or we we thank you for the fact that you're using us and you're using these individuals to be able to go and do these things. I would ask that the people around them would be blessed and that your name would be glorified. But but it's not only just for the folks that are going. It's for us that are staying and that are going to work tomorrow. They're, they're, They're serving a family member that's sick. They're serving, they're going to the store, and they they run into, and they have an encounter with someone that you have chosen them to interact with. I pray for even that interaction, that we would be a witness for you, that our words and our thoughts and our actions would be pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified, and that we do believe in your Son. And that we can pray to you, but we can also pray and name the name of Jesus Christ. So I thank you for that. I thank you for what he did on the cross for our sins. Whether I'm someone who is, is struggling with loneliness or pride or, or lusting after power or money, all the things that we choose that are not of you, Father, forgive us. 
thank you for forgiving us for our sins. And I ask that we would recognize where we're at and we would be able to serve you faithfully. And so once again, thank you for these people that we are surrounding, that we have our hands on, that we know it is not us, but is your power and what your son did on the cross for our sins. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Help us to continue to look to you for what we need in our lives. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.